Let's get past them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. Now, if you are ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. I'm excited to get some wind in our sales today from my guest, licensed doctor of pharmacy, owner of multiple pharmacies, real estate investor, bank owner, founder and CEO of Drugstore to Door. It's my pleasure to have husband and father, AJ Asgari on the podcast out of Oklahoma, right in the lake house, chilling. <laughs> AJ, how you doing? I'm chilling. I should, should have given you a better view, man. I've spun around so the sun is not beaming in. So we're, we we got the white wall behind me here, a little, little uh, bland, but it's all good. I like it. Hey, listen. Glad to be here, man. I'm excited. I lo oh. love the energy already. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to have you here. And we could use our imagination and manifestation into the lake house and pull that into existence. But while we work on that, I want to make sure to give an opportunity for, for you and the audience to get acquainted, for the audience to meet you for the first time and, and find out how you introduce yourself in your own words. So AJ, please take the floor and then we can kind of get into the conversation afterwards. Yeah, you bet. I don't even go into all the details, man. I just let people know that uh, I'm a uh common guy born in, in norman oklahoma uh, i'm a entrepreneur at heart i've got the sickness um that's the best way to describe it uh, people always ask what is it you do and the, the answer is it's complicated or i default to i'm a pharmacist <laughs> i think the first couple of years my wife and i were dating she asked me the question a handful of times now what exactly is it that you do um and then the other question she would get is it all legal yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the answer to yes is, is yes it is all legal but uh, it's it's complicated the more you get into things it, it's uh I, I present as a pharmacist and a business owner um at my core but the deeper you get i mean you start wearing a lot of hats so mm -hmm. i don't have a straight answer anymore man yeah which i love because anybody who's familiar with the entrepreneurial journey i mean one day i'm a marketer the next day i'm a salesman the other day i'm a technician and i'm trying to solve that problem putting out fires if anything outside of entrepreneur i'm, I'm a firefighter because that's all i do right we put out fires all day um you mentioned it um you said you have the sickness or whatnot, the entrepreneurial bug, if you would. And a lot of guys listening, they could probably relate. Maybe there's someplace in life where they know they're capable of more. They have a job that pays them well. They're crushing it in their career. But for some reason, there's that fulfillment aspect that's just missing. Um, what was it for you that really kind of leaned into that sickness or, or paid attention to that itch, that entrepreneurial yeah. itch that became a full, full on rash that we're looking at right now? Yeah, it, you know, it was early, man. Um, I was a, uh, I've I've been hungry as far back as I can remember, and I always tell people the pre to preface the story. I was a little fat kid, and so that kind of kicked everything off. I was a mm -hmm. chunky kid. I didn't know how to be physically fit, um, and so until the time I was about fourteen, I was just a chunk, and I hated it. Like this is what I attribute it to. It's like, you're in your job and you know, and you're like, 
I could do something more. I could be something more. This was me and my own body, right? I was a little fat kid. I was like, I could be something more. I could be the cool guy. I could be the guy in shape. I could, you know, had all those things, but I didn't know how to get there. And then we had some family friends that started a uh, little fitness studio thing and they wanted some people to, to come in so that they could do some befores and after and all this stuff. And they were actually chatting with my mom and I'm like, sign me up, 14 year old kid. I'm like, sign me up, sign me up. I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. And as soon as they gifted me the knowledge, I took what's required of an entrepreneur is I took all the effort, I took the consistency, I took the responsibility of showing up every day, and I applied the knowledge that was given to me. And inside of three months, I dropped 60 pounds, transformed everything. Nice. I got control. Like I realized, holy crap, man, with a little bit of knowledge and a lot of perseverance, you can accomplish, you're in control. Like you can accomplish so much. And you actually are not a victim of your circumstance. You can get in the driver's seat of it. And from a 15-year-old kid on, a bunch of other life experiences, but that was the pivotal turning point mentally um, for me. And that's carried on to everything. So I worked for my dad who owned a sprinkler company. Um, I was a personal trainer for a good period of time while I was doing competitive bodybuilding. Um, you know, And as I started to go down that road, working for my dad, I was, I already started thinking like, what is he doing? What am I doing? I'm working with the crews. I'm putting digging ditches all day, every day. Like, how do I get on the other side of this? And as I stayed hungry to learn again, as I got the knowledge, I applied the knowledge. I got the knowledge. I applied the knowledge. Then I said, 18 years old, I started my own sprinkler company while I was in college, went to my dad and said, Hey, do you care if I start my own? He's like, no, go for it, man. I'd love to see you do it. <laughs> So I'm literally taking his invoices and putting stickers over them with my, because I, I don't have enough money to do anything else. So I just buy a roll of stickers with mine over his invoice, right? So I can send an invoice and go get my first job, second job. And then I got a taste, man. I went from making seven bucks an hour to, I got my first job. And in, you know, five days, I made $3,000. And I'm like, holy crap. Whoa. This week I made more than I made all last summer, you know? And yeah. then when I say the sickness, you get that little taste and it's like, oh, I got to get it again. I got to get that hit again. I got to get that hit again. And it just continued to roll. Man, so it was amazing. that early. It was that early. That's fantastic. Um, it's, it's interesting because the question I think of, I love the idea of applied knowledge equaling those results. What would you say to somebody who's acquiring knowledge, reading books, um, taking the courses, doing all that, but and, and they're taking action, right? They, they're they're absorbing the knowledge. Maybe they're working on their business. They're trying to scale it, but they're just not getting those results. They're, they're like, man, what's what's not working? What's not connecting in that? What would you tell that right. person who's starting to get maybe frustrated and a little bit uh, irritated? Yeah, so at the end of the day, if you want someone to pay you money, you got to solve a real problem, period. And so it's not what you, it's not so much what you want to do. It's more around what you do to solve that particular problem fitting in your giftedness, I guess, is the way I would put it. And so there's something we're all more gifted in than we are in other things. And as you start to explore avenues, whether it's in your current career or it's you looking for a side hustle to turn into your main hustle, 
that's when you figure out your giftedness. But then you have to apply your giftedness to a real set of problems because nobody's, we vote with our money, right? Like we pay for the things that might make life easy. We pay for the things that um, give us joy. We, we pay for the necessities, right? If it's outside of that scope, people are going to let you know really quickly, like, hey, there's no market for this. So don't be so stubborn um, or egotistical to go one way. Like, like you have to be a man of iteration mm. and you have to know whether it's tiny iterations or large iterations that this, you don't just throw a dart and expect it to hit the bullseye. You actually control this dart as it's going and the bullseye could potentially be moving. And so you have to adjust this dart as you're taking in information and applying until you nail the bullseye. And you're going to know when you hit it because someone's going to write you a check and you're going to go, oh, damn, that worked. Yeah. Right. How do I do more of that? Yeah. And then you get your second check or your whatever it is. And that starts to change the game. That's number one. And then number two, some people have the right idea and they're solving a real problem. But I think social media is a little bit of the culprit of this. We expect instant results. I haven't had a business yet where I've had instant results. Um, and I speak to a lot of people who've kicked way more ass than I have. And none of them, I have not sat down where anyone's like, Dude, I had this idea and 12 months later I made 20 million dollars. <laughs> I have I've not sat down to a story like that yet. Yeah. And I would um, also um, say too, anyone that I know who started an idea and they had a big payday shortly after, there were probably years of knowledge and accumulation of skills that led up to that big break. Exactly right. And so nothing is ever ever a product of like our tech company right now, I would say from a scale growth perspective is moving pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Would I want it faster all day long? I could always go for faster, but it was an accumulation of 15 years prior to starting this tech company that led to us nailing a real problem, creating a solution and then getting our hands really dirty on building it out. So yeah, right on the money. So we just underestimate uh, you know, we overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in 10. And that's the way I really think people should think about. It's it's the way I think about things is five, 10 year trajectory. I never look at the one year, two year, three year outside of, hey, are we getting responses we need? Are we changing the product or whatever it is, right? The thing that I'm trying to do. Um, am I bringing real value to the table? Is someone willing to pay me for it? Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. And you start getting the paychecks, you, you get that hit, your your first transaction with your first job selling sprinklers. I mean, hey, three thousand dollars in, in one week, you're you're in the money. Why go why do anything else? Why why not yeah. stop at sprinklers, man? <laughs> you know, my dad put it in my head so hard that education was the way. I grew up in a household where my dad's Persian, my mom's white, she's from Oklahoma, so I'm whatever mixed breed that makes me. But if uh uh, the Persian culture, Iranian culture, man, my dad's like, oh, yeah, you can be anything you want to be. You have, you know, you could be a doctor or a doctor or a doctor you choose. But that's kind of the standard in that household. And so and my dad had a, a, a master's degree in engineering. He was working for the company he bought out. But education was the thing. And so that was the path I got pushed on. And it was always like, hey, you don't want to be the one out here with the shovel in your hand. Um, and I look back and I understand it was all out of purity. Like everything was, I want the best for my son. I want the best for my family, you know, all of those things. 
But man, I know landscapers that rake in millions of dollars a year. So there is no wrong path. It was just where my dad was. So his thought was like, hey, go be a doctor, work in a nice cold office and you get to go in every day versus being out in the heat and whatever it might be, whatever gets you there. I mean, there are some days I'm like, I'm done with people, man. I will take a shovel in a trench all day long. Just give me eight hours a piece. I will go dig all the way, you know, uh, across the highway, whatever I got to do. So th there's no wrong way. You can literally do it any way, shape or form. Nice. That's, that's fantastic. Um, how did you transition going from sprinklers to now where it's dent? We, I think went from dentistry to pharmaceuticals and yeah. then real estate investing. What is that? I guess, roadmap look like because a lot of people think you know hey the road to success is a straight line and uh, i think you know that's far from the truth and anyone who's taken that journey any man listening who's done that walk have learned you know it's filled with roadblocks and detours and sinkholes potholes and, <laughs> and yeah. red lights man the thing I, that i'll say to that and then i'll walk you through my journey is i i use that as my filter so it's guaranteed to get hard to, to swerve around, move backwards, a couple steps forward, whatever it is, that I really look at that as life's filter. So the it's straining out all the people that don't have the will or the way that, that the willingness to do what it takes to get there. And for me, now when I meet resistance, I go, ah, this is the level that I leave a bunch of people behind. Hmm. So I actually have taught myself to look forward to what, you know, you mentioned your firefighting and that to me, like there's a process and the, and when you grow and you're trying to do something that's further than most people are willing to go, right. Whether you're measuring by income or productivity or whatever your measurement tool is. I think a lot of us measure by what do we make? What is our net worth? What's the, you know, how do we compare to the rest of the population? So if you want to make a million dollars a year, well, you're talking about being in the 1% club. If you want to be in the 1% club from a revenue perspective, you've got to weed out 99% of participants to be in the 1% club. So to me, it's a filtration device. Mm. The harder it is, the more work it takes. And again, I attribute everything back to fitness. That's what separates you from everybody else. And you're pushing through this filter. And so you're leaving more and more and more and more people behind as you go through these. And when you change that perspective, then you're, you embrace like, oh man, I'm about to turn a corner here, right? Yeah. And that's been really true for my whole journey. So from sprinklers, I was obviously in college. I was training people, I was doing competitive bodybuilding at the time. Um, I was shadowing a friend of mine's dad who was a, a prosthodontist, a dentist, loved his job. Like he was the epitome of love his job. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's a, that's a doctor title I would take. Um, you know, this guy's whistling to work every day, loving life, like just, you know, and I spent a couple months in his office and, and I really thought that was the path I'd go. I'm artistic dude. I was like, I'm going to go into cosmetic dentistry. I'll do like oral surgery and, uh, make people look, you know, legit after a bad car accident or people who just want to look more pretty in the face or whatever it is. Like, well, you know, I'm, I'll use my talents there. And then while I was doing uh, sprinklers and at the gym, I was working out both great networking places, right? Like the gym I worked out at was a little more of an uppity gym. And I was there doing cardio for two hours a day, getting ready for bodybuilding shows. So I talked to a crap load of people, man. 
And yeah. I would just pick your brain again, knowledge, give me knowledge, give me knowledge. And this is back before I could hop on YouTube or it, I'm not that old. I mean, I'm 40, but if you think back to a 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, there was no social media. There was no Facebook, Instagram, none of that stuff had come yet. Um, and so you had to talk to people like in the face. And so um, I would, I'd be on an elliptical machine and the old cat would jump on next to me. I'm probably that old cat now, but the, the 40 year old next to me got on the deal and I'm like, what do you do? You rolled up in a brand new Range Rover. Like I need to talk to you, right? You know, yeah. We're motivated by that stuff, especially as a young guy. Um, and so I ended up meeting a guy at the gym and then ended up doing a sprinkler job at his house. And it was all superficial, like dude rolls up in a brand new uh, Porsche Cayenne turbo. He opens the garage. There's a Dodge Viper in the garage and an SL 500 park next to that. Go in his house. He's got plasma screens on every wall back when they're like 30 grand a pop. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what this dude does, but I need to be doing this. You yeah. know? So just chatted with him uh, and he ended up being in pharmacy. Uh, and I always tell people when I tell a story, there's a catch, but this was what uh, the allure was for me. Um, and he was like, Hey man, I'll come by, check out a couple of my stores. Let me show you what I do. I had no clue. I was clueless. And I was like, Hey, you pour the big bottle to the small bottle and give it to a customer. And you know, that's the complexity of this job. I could do that. Oh, mm -hmm. and it's a doctor. So that works. That fits my dad's uh, calculation for me. Uh, and then you know, I go in and, and do this and go to his stores. And he's like, Hey, what do you think this store does? I'm like, I literally just passed like four horse fields on the way over here. I have no clue, man. He's like, I do 6 million out of this store and I own seven more just like it or six more just like it, I think at the time. And I'm like, Oh, shit. Oh. And back then I didn't know the difference between top line revenue, gross, all that stuff. So for me, I'm just like 6 million times six. Holy shit. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, so I, I literally just went to pharmacy school. I was like, I'm going to go take the pharmacy entrance exam and go to pharmacy school. That period. And there were two things that made me do it. One was all the shit. And two was the thing that troubled me about med school and dental school was I was limited by these. Yeah. So if these weren't going to work. I wasn't making money. And for the entrepreneurial side of me, like doing sprinklers and those things, right? I take a few guys out to the job. I lead the job off, but I've got horsepower that actually helps me finish that job out to where I could leave and start a second job, right? Or I could go train a client while they're working on the job site and I'm away. And so the troubling thing for me was even if I made a million dollars a year, I'd be miserable if I went in every single day and had to do a repetitive task, repetitive task, repetitive task. That doesn't fit me well. Yeah. And that's where I went in and said, pharmacy makes sense because now I can go hire a bunch of pharmacists. They don't have to be like this crazy skilled person. Like if you're gonna be a cosmetic dentist, you're the guy or you're the gal, you gotta be good, right? And you're mm -hmm. getting paid for the talent of your hands. And there's no wrong way. It just wasn't my way. Um, and so that led me to pharmacy to say, hey, I can scale. And I can do other things while I've got people generating revenue. And that's what turned me on to pharmacy. So it turned me on to real estate. Like what's a better, put somebody in a house, let them go to work, give you a third of their income for the rest of their existence or until they go buy a home. Shit, I'll sign up for that all day long. How many of these things can I buy? Yeah. Right. So I just started my first paycheck when I started making real money, I literally down payment on my first duplex, emptied my bank account out. Boom. Nice. Put it in. Yeah. Rents How much would you think that would cost today? I'm just, this is perusing and asking for somebody who's listening. Yeah, for sure. I'll, like, I'll I'm you. sitting on some cash. They want to buy a duplex. They want to build themselves a revenue stream. 
Help one of our listeners out make that down payment. What do you think? So check this out. I get out of school. I'm broke. $150,000 in debt out of pharmacy school. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pharmacists make good income. Yes. People are always like, oh, poor you. You got out. You're a pharmacist making 120, 130,000 a year. Sure. After taxes, that's about 70 grand. Plus you got all your living and all that. 150 grand is still a lot of debt for a certificate. Yeah. So. But I get out and you don't start working as a pharmacist right away. You're still a broke student. I had to borrow 1500 bucks from my dad to go get my first rental house so that I could live next to the CVS that I was going to work at when I got out of pharmacy school. But that first year of working at CVS, instead of taking that money and applying it to a loan, which had like a two and a half percent interest rate, I went and said, I'm going to spend this. I think I can out earn 2.5% all day long, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go out earn this. I think it was a $20,000 check I wrote. It was a hundred and hundred and I want to say $10,000 duplex at the time. Let's call it 2010, maybe. I buy it. I write that check. Let me tell you, this puckered my, you know what, like that was yep. all the money in my account. I had just enough to live off again once I wrote this check. But I knew like, look, I'm turning on cash flow. I need to try this. Wrote the check, bought that duplex. I still own that first duplex I bought. That first duplex I bought for one hundred ten thousand is worth four hundred thousand dollars today. Let's go. Right, that's one. Uh, I've got over sixty some odd doors at this point, seventy doors, something like that. So again, you just start like, how do I do it? If I could go back, I would figure out how I do it even faster. Like, how yeah. do I do it even faster than I did it because it wasn't fast enough. But that that's when you get it. And, and then you start to learn like what's your willingness to to do in that. So hopefully that helps. I mean, it's always scary because you're like, what if, what if, what if, what if you're never going to calculate all the what ifs like yeah. crap's going to happen. I've got seven properties with roof damage from hail. Hence the meteorologist here. I got, <laughs> you know, and it seems like every three years I'm on a cycle of fixing roofs, fixing siding, fixing windows from mm -hmm. storms. I'm in Oklahoma and North Texas. Like we just get bombed with hail, wind and tornadoes. That's our, that's yeah. what it's here, right? It sounds like my unique skill set might be uh, something you might want to vote for if you need a meteorologist <laughs> on your payroll. Um, shameless yeah. plug. I'll, yeah. I'll send you my resume. <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. I can't uh, prevent the storms from happening. I could just give you a heads up when they're going to happen. So maybe you can get to the front of the line with all the contractors that get busy. But that, that's fantastic. And I know that's really, really helpful for somebody. Um, And, and you kind of mentioned about the what ifs, right? Um. What do you say to somebody who is sitting on cash in their account? Let's say they have four or five months savings. Like that's all they have is like that six month pad of living mm -hmm. expenses. And they're not earning as much as they want to. And they're kind of just hesitant to pull that trigger to make, make an investment that could turn on cash flow because of the fear of draining out their savings, their cushion or whatnot. What would you say to somebody who's maybe a little bit more risk adverse from getting started? So I love this one. And I actually, so I used to go talk at pharmacy schools and other events, uh, and I still do a little bit when I've got the time. And I hear this a lot, like, oh, I'm safe here. No, you're not. If you work for somebody else, you are in the highest risk bucket there is. You are completely out of control, right? You're completely out of control. So the thing I tell people is, first question I ask is, and I'll, I'll pose this to you as a meteorologist. If yeah. you left your job today, how hard would it be for you to go get another meteorology job? For me to get another meteorology job? Yeah. Uh, minimally difficult. Okay. Yeah. How, how long would you be without work, would you think, if, if you left today and then you went back into the field? If I was really going after it, probably less than a month. Okay. 
So now you've just set risk tolerance for me. Your worst case scenario, you go out and try anything and everything that you want and you fail miserably. Your worst case scenario is right back where you are right now, making the same money, the same job, everything, right? Mm. You're telling me right now you're living your floor, okay? You've set your floor. So a lot of people like, hey, I made it here and I've got this job title and I've got that, right? Everyone gets to pharmacy school and I, I'll go speak to pharmacists. Hey, you guys made it. Your parents are proud. They're going to be here at graduation. They're going to be clapping for you. You have the disco ball going. You'll be dancing like fantastic. You guys hit your pinnacle. I reset my floor. This is as far as I can fall down. As long as I don't get myself into legal trouble or lose my license, this is the lowest I can go is to $120,000 a year. So I'm going to go try some real shit now because I'm okay with that floor. Yeah, right? yeah. So what you just told me is here's my floor and I can reset this floor and be back in the game in, in 30 days. I love that. Now, how risky does everything else feel? <laughs> Not as risky because I'm laughing because I actually know someone who's left the business ended up getting a different job at a bigger city, making more money. <laughs> so Yeah, you just, you don't know. So I think sometimes we get in this what if game and we go way too wide and we're worried about all these things that are never going to happen. But the thing I'll say is like, unless you've got something, most people don't need to quit their day job. Like you can side hustle until you prove you're solving a real problem. And then as you go deep enough in that, then you jump off. Or if you're like me, I'm working for CVS. I know the ins and outs of pharmacy. I'm going to go buy my first pharmacy. I can jump in with both feet. Mm -hmm. Like, because I'm going to go do the same thing. I already know I'm solving a problem. I already know how I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to go buy somebody who already has this thing, you know? And I, and again, when I talk to people, I had no money. I was $150,000 in debt. I bought my first pharmacy with my mouth, with my mouth. I got in the door. I had no money. I was broke. I just went to an old guy who owned a pharmacy in a town that I knew would do well and knocked on the door and said, hey, man, I, I really love to buy your pharmacy. I have no money. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to figure it out. I'll even come here on my days off and work for free to prove it to you. Yeah. And he took me up on it two months later. And I went and I worked for free. And I drove two hours from the CVS in Texas to the store in Oklahoma on my one day off a week. And I worked my ass off that day every single day. Till he realized I wasn't playing around. And then I made him an equity deal. And mm. I said, for all the equity growth I give you in this store, we split it 50-50. And I'm going to use that to buy you out. And he made that deal with me. And I tripled the growth of that store in, in two and a half years. and went and got a bank loan year three and bought him out. I love that, man. Let's go. So anyone yeah, that thinks. No, <laughs> like, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Yeah. It was like, oh, man, I need money to make money. So like, eh, you need creativity to make money not yeah. necessarily money to make money because you could use someone else's money which is what that equity deal in essence was was you get the equity and you end up buying them out over time now hey driving two hours on your day off working your butt off listen man that's something sounds like something i would have done in my mid-20s before i was married before you know i had a little little fur fur baby and all that um what do you say to the family men the men who are in their families, they're looking at Mayan trying to make that move, but you know, they're they're probably the breadwinners and they're trying to sustain their family, not put their family at risk, but they're really trying to make something pop. 
Yeah. So it's an honest conversation you got to have with your family. Look, I have a two-year-old little girl. Um, I'm very much in those weeds right now. Yeah. And I, I uh, kicked up a startup tech company, which drives my time. I'm the sales guy. I'm the guy on the road. I'm the one traveling to the shows. Um, and, and for me, it was sitting out with my family to say, Hey, and we've had this conversation since day one that, Hey, all the stuff we have is stuff. And as long as we respect that, it's just stuff, it's not us. It's not our core. We could make it in a one bedroom apartment. As long as we had food on the table, we have each other and we're secure. We could make it. Mm -hmm. So let's eliminate being scared of losing the stuff because the stuff can always come back. I can go find another way to get the stuff back right? We can always find a way to get the stuff back. So then we just get down to the core of like, what's fulfillment? Like, what are you going to be okay with when you're sitting in a nursing home, right? Or whatever your end of life looks like, what are you mentally going to be okay with trying and not trying? And so, and for some people, it may be all in on family and that's fantastic. But I think what you're asking me is the population who's going, Hey, I need something more in my career. I need to try something bigger um, with my talent base their sacrifice, plain and simple. Yeah. And so you have to be on the same page with your family on the amount of sacrifice it's going to take to accomplish the thing you're after. Because plain and simple, remember the filter thing I'm talking about. you got to be willing to do what 99% of people are not willing to do mm -hmm. to get the result. If that's your measuring stick, if that if that is how you're measuring your success. Yeah. There are other ways to measure it, right? It might be free time. Like how much free time do I have? How much family time do I have? So however you're measuring that success, then then that's where you figure it out. And for me, it's like, hey, if, if you can't do it that way, if that's a 20-year-old man's game, um, then then what's a 40-year-old man's game, right? Like what, what game are you willing to play? Where can you put the time in? And maybe it's, hey, you wake your happy ass up at four o'clock in the morning because nobody's awake and you're not missing any family time. And you're going to spend from four to six or four to seven on the grind. And if you do that Monday through Friday, you're picking up two or three extra work days, depending on how much of a gap you could put in. And now you got a side hustle that doesn't impact your family at all, right? So there's always a way. It's just where does that lie? And then what's your relationship with your family and your needs? And, and where do you both want to go? Where do you collectively want to see yourselves going? Yeah, 100%. Man, I love that answer. But Ted, it's got to make sense, man. It's a journey. It's not a destination. I remember when I set my first goal to make my first million and then to have a net worth of X and then to go to the, and each time you hit the goalpost, you punt it back, you, it, you move it again. Next. Yeah. You continue to move it to next. And finally, after 10, 15 years, I'm like, shit, it's the journey. Like, and you know, you hear this all the time, but it's the process of doing those things. So like you got to embrace the suck but you got to embrace the fun. You got to embrace the wins. You got to embrace the losses. And then you got to bring your family along on that ride and make sure like you give them just what they've asked for and nothing more. And, you know, so I keep the heavy stress stuff out of the house. Like it, it doesn't even make its way in because it's not theirs to deal with. I signed up for, you know, for this run. So I will take that on myself. Yeah. Um, and they know what makes me happy. So that's the setup, man. I, that's the raw answer. There's no, there's no cushy, um, no cushy answer to that no i love it and i recently got a haircut and i'm gonna tell it myself because i get a little little color in my beard but i have i have just as many grays in my beard as you do probably and my wife i used to joke and tell my wife that she did that she's like no you're an entrepreneur that's what did that <laughs> sure. and, Bro, and look at this prematurity man it is no joke no <laughs> hey joke. 
you wear it proudly though the salt and pepper looks good on you man but, but to, your, to your point I, I love that approach and those tactics because you know my wife and i have that conversation i operate through time blocking i'm lucky where i wake up at 2 20 a.m for my job i'm home i get a workout in and then i'm i'm working midday by the time she gets home at five that's my cutoff right i get my side hustle time in when it comes to finances i literally have a percentage of my income that goes right into my business account never sees our family income never sees our family expenses that's my operating cost make it work and those are the things that we we work within the confines that we have and then we execute and like you said acquire the knowledge along the way increase your leverage with the knowledge that you have and and go after it gangbusters um yeah. i i want to touch on um so paying attention to your story really quick as we're coming to the end of the podcast episode um so you you purchase a pharmacy and fast forward down the line here you are drugstore to door um really kind of making healthcare accessible what was that mission like and then even touch on the the tech startup that you just launched as well uh yeah. how how have those kind of come into fruition and where do they stand now for sure. So got into pharmacy, continued to acquire pharmacies, got up to around 12 pharmacies, sold a few strategically. I've still got nine nine pharmacy locations that I have a phenomenal team that runs and employees and, and everybody who uh, are all dialed in there. Continue to acquire real estate. Uh, this has been my slowest acquisition over the last couple of years. COVID did weird stuff to the market. Um, so we've got a small apartment complex we're remodeling at this point, but nothing um, crazy on the acquisition side. Um, but just continue to stack real estate, stack real estate. I'm not scared of debt, so I'll ever debt to, to continue to grow at a more rapid rate, uh, especially in something as stable as real estate. Um, and yes, real estate can be stable even, even in volatility if you're, if you're buying it right and you're cash flowing it appropriately. Um, and so I have no fear there. You know, and then I've continued to invest in other things along the way, hence getting involved with the bank and sitting on the bank board and learned a ton in, in that process. But then also being in pharmacy, it started to open up. When you're looking at things, I always say, go, go micro when you're setting up, step back out macro. You always, if you're going to be the CEO of your operation, you have to always pull out macro. And so every time I pull out macro and look at pharmacy holistically, you start identifying avenues to solve problems. And so I found an avenue into consulting in the space, consulting and deal negotiations, all this other stuff boom, I fired up a huge revenue line, right? Just boom. And it was a same industry, tiny pivot, understanding, learning, gaining knowledge, becoming an expert um, in an area. And then people will pay you to be that expert because you can actually make them more money. So did that. And then obviously, as we started to really look at how we're taking care of um, customers or patients, I realized there's a huge gap for independent pharmacies and how we digitally present to customers. And so I was like, hey, let's hire developers. Let's start a company called Drugstore to Door. Um, and let's work to collectively get these independents as locked in as possible. And, and let's use their online presence to do that so that no matter where a customer is or a patient is, we can get them access to amazing healthcare quickly. Nice. Um, and so that's what started uh, our initiative for Drugstore to Door. Our objective was, hey, let's take the whole experience. If you walked into a pharmacy's door, let's digitize that whole experience and make it available as close to people as we can possibly get it. So with independence, there's about 20,000 across the U.S. Collectively, they cover more than any major chain out there. 
And they're everywhere, right? They're small business owners. So they'll be in tiny communities, but they'll also be in major metropolitan. So you're not, you don't have these um, drug deserts, if you will, where there's no access to healthcare because you're in a tiny community and the closest spot is an hour away, right? We solve that with independence. And so now we're giving them the tools. We've been growing it for the last uh, three years. Um, starting to build a real network to where a customer can go on, go to drugstoredoor.com and we'll ping the closest independent pharmacy for their fulfillment. Most of these pharmacies deliver, I mean, all of it. So anything you could need from a healthcare perspective, uh, we're getting you access not only to a phenomenal service, but a local business owner who took the risk, yeah. who owns their own thing, who's going to go above and beyond to take care of you because they're not working a corporate, right? Um, they're, they're, trying to retain their own business and we're doing it in your own backyard, right? As close to you as we can possibly connect you um, to one of those owners. So it gives you the warm and fuzzies across the board because you're helping both sides of the equation. So yeah. the win, win, yeah. win model, man, you can't go wrong with it. Yeah, it's crazy. And we went from, we started three years ago with three employees. There's 25 of us now. Um, so pretty good growth. Um, we've got close to a thousand people utilizing, um, the technology and we've got 19,000 to go. So we're, we are in full go mode. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, AJ, what are you looking forward to most here um, in the next six months to, ne to the next year? Uh, one is the, my little girl, man, she's hilarious, like full comedy <laughs> show every day. Um, so family's, family's always top of my list. Uh, and then honestly, the growth trajectory we're on with this company, like I'm, I'm really just looking forward to solving hard problems. I mean, every day uh, is full of hard problems, especially when you're scaling technology, uh, because yeah. you can't go find people off the street um, with no, uh, there's a baseline talent that's needed. And it's all over the place from design to, dev you know, to development, to infrastructure, to all of it. And so We've got some real challenges in front of us just because of the scale of growth. Um, and so I'm excited by it and we just got to figure it out. So, nice. yeah. And when you find the talent, if they are talented, usually you're not the only one that wants them. So right. <laughs> that's how right. it works. Um, yeah. Before I ask my my last question, AJ, I want to make sure that our audience has a way to connect with you, follow you, find out more of the work that you're doing, get access to drugstore to door if it's something yeah. that they could benefit from. So uh, please, how can how can folks connect? Yeah, so uh, I have a small landing splash page, AJ Asgari, A J A S G A R I dot com. And that kind of redirects you to all things. I'm all over the place. So I don't have like, here's my Insta presence and here's what I do. And here's my Facebook presence and here's what I do. Cause I just like to do a lot of shit. So it's just go here and pick your poison and you can go explore anything. And I'm easy to get a hold of. You can DM me if you've, you've got questions. Um, feel free. Um, to, to, you can grab any of my social accounts there and I'm happy to help, man. I'm, I'm playing the game for everyone to win. Like it's, that's yeah. the fun part, man. When you give a nugget and you see someone take it and apply it, you're like, shoot, I'll give you two. If you're going to do that with one, right. And it's, it, someone did it for me. We got to do it for others. And that's how we, it's, yeah. it's humanity. I think that's, that's life's mission. That's what it's all about. I love that. Um, last question, um, it usually is the heaviest one. Uh, AJ, what's something that you've seen or something that's happened to you in your life that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Oh, yeah, easy one. Um, so fortunately and unfortunately, had a lot of death in, in my life, like family members who passed away from cancer and other just diseases that are unfortunate. My dad passed away from ALS a few years ago. 
Um, I had a best friend in college who had a, a tragic accident and died early. Um, I think it's Ed Milet that says that life happens uh, for you, not to you. Yeah. Um, and I think that those things happening early in my life were perspective setters. And what I mean by that is you realize how fragile your time is here and it could be long or it could be short, but ultimately it's short. I mean, if you're here under a hundred years, that's a very short period of time. So don't take shit so seriously, right? Like it's let the small stuff go. Um, let the big stuff be the challenges that you take head on because you're willing to do so. Um, and try to make most of your days fun or happy or light um, because you don't know when your last one's going to be. So no matter how big the problem, how big the challenge, how down and out you feel, you're not here long. So like it'll pass, you know, so I just have great perspective. And, um, you know, I just I let a lot roll off, you know, and I attribute it to to that. And physical fitness, I would say, is a big part of it, too. And it just makes you resilient to stress and depression, all the other stuff that tends to come along and it's a tough journey. If you're going to take this journey, you've got to have a self-care aspect and that's mental and physical, uh, both. You got to work on both actively. Yeah, no, hundred percent. AJ asked Gary joining us out of Oklahoma, man, this is, this has been fantastic. And, and I, I can't wait to share this episode because I know folks are going to really enjoy it. I, I appreciate the time today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me anytime. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to recap some of the gems that you left along the way really quick, because I know a lot of people while listening, they're riding their bike, they're working out, or maybe they're doing some work of their own while listening. We appreciate that. Just, hey, if you're in the gym, one more set, go ahead and get that weight up. But I've been yeah. hungry as far back as I can remember. AJ mentioned that hunger. I think it was Les Brown that says, you got to be hungry. If you're looking for that success or that growth in life, you really have to lean into that hunger. And then knowledge plus perseverance equals you in control you taking that progress and actually solving a real problem. Apply that knowledge, apply your skill and gift to a real problem and let people vote with their dollars. And when you get the check, you know you hit the bullseye. Replicate that activity and then scale it with purpose. Uh, be a man of iteration. Uh, again, don't look for immediate feedback. And if you have to adjust along the way, adjust when appropriate. And then pay attention, zoom out. As AJ said, if you're going to be a CEO of your, your operation, of your organization, you need to zoom out and see the forest, not just stay among the trees. And then this is the level where I leave a bunch of people behind. If you're in, if you're in an area of headwind right now, you have a lot of inertia, a lot of friction. You're trying to get to that next level. That's good because that's going to that's gonna knock a lot of people off. It's going to knock a lot of people off. And just wait until you get to that next level. And I always love the saying that the plane takes off against the wind. Once you get airborne, I think you'll find more collaborators than competition. And then what is your floor? If you're afraid to take that risk, think of where you are right now, how long it would take to get another job if you left your job, how long it would take to get that income level again. That is your floor. That's where you start. So maybe the risk isn't as big as you think. And of course, an honest conversation with yourself, with your family, if you're trying to navigate the side hustle and the family time, be clear, concise. And of course, also have a history of following up with what you say you're going to do. Because if you fall off and you quit everything you start, your spouse probably doesn't have that much faith in what you're going to start next. So build maybe a little bit of a reputation of finishing what you start, build a reputation of dependency, and then have that conversation with your family and what you're trying to build and what you're trying to do, and then lean into the support that they give you. Life happens for you, not to you. 
AJ, thank you again to the audience and the listeners. Thank you for rocking with us all the way to the end. Hope you enjoyed this. I know you enjoyed this, which is why I'm going to ask you to hit that like button, hit subscribe, and then share this with a friend you know can get benefit from it and leave us a rating. It's the best compliment you can give us. It's the only way we can improve and serve you better is by hearing what you guys think of the podcast. And with that being said, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get past the day. I think we're going to do a great job.